Today I've got Tegan Modra, the suntanned country girl from the coast. A few years ago, Tegan chased her dream all the way to the wailing sirens and the mean streets of London to save lives, working for the London Ambulance. Thanks for doing this. No, that's fine, anytime. It's a pretty big journey. Yeah, moved here around July last year. So, so good. I love it. And so just to wind the clock back to get a sense of you, so you grew up in Blackfellows Cave, I think 500 k's from Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, the tiny little fishing village on the coast. Blackfellows will always be my little slice of heaven, the beaches, the cliffs and the ocean. It's a pretty quiet place, quaint, 70 people. That's less than some apartment blocks in the city. Like you said, only 70 people were there. Yeah. Only about 10 of those being kids. What sort of family were you born into there in Blackfellows Cave? My dad was a cray fisherman, so I spent more time on the water than dry land. We tended to surf beaches, ride our motorbikes on the dunes, and camped a lot of the back tracks. Very, very secluded, but that's the part that I loved about it. We had to drive probably half an hour to get a loaf of bread or a bottle of milk. With that came the sense of safety. We could leave, say, our surfboards or our lawnmower out in the front lawn and just leave our house or our cars unlocked. We could just walk home from our friend's house, say, at 9pm and not feel like there was someone out to get us super safe. You went to school with other kids from local farms and fishing villages. The whole school had only 60 students, two dairy farms on either side. What was the good thing about this small, close-knit learning environment? The class only consisted of, say, 15 people, so literally everyone was your friend. Most of the teachers were our friends' parents, so when we went around to our friend's house, we were spending time with the teacher, and we got one-on-one attention. As a small child, I was very shy, very nervous in larger groups, so I felt comfortable. I feel like, because I knew everyone in my class, and never felt judged or ridiculed, this boosts my confidence later in life. Being a part of the Congorong school just made me so proud to be from there and I love to, yeah, it's just great. So looking back, can you remember if there was any sort of seeds really early on that made you want to ultimately become a London Ambo like you have become? I wouldn't say that it's the school itself that influenced me to become a paramedic, but it gave me more variety freedom to be able to explore my interests and hobbies, my abilities and stuff like that. Yeah, great. And what were your hobbies? I did lots of different stuff. <laughs> I did karate, I played netball, I played the piano, but mostly down at the beach. I would swim, I would dive, I would surf. My life heavily revolved around the ocean. Beautiful. And so from that, you went to Mount Gambier High School, a much bigger school because Mount Gambier is one of South Australia's biggest towns. Was that a shock for a country kid starting high school in a much bigger school? So I was like extremely anxious to be taken out of my comfort zone from a place where I was well established and knew everyone's name to just be another face that was pretty much unrecognised. On the first day of high school, I felt like a sheep in a herd. I quickly realised that the primary school could have fit on one of the high school school ovals. I was no longer the big fish in a small pond, but the smallest fish in in a lake. But I quickly found my feet. That's really where I started to grow as a person. What type of person were you back then? Coming from such a small school to such a large school, my life was just orientated around forming friendships. I was just too caught up on popularity and just finding a sense of belonging. I just kind of thought that My future didn't really depend on the grades 
also, being the oldest child, my parents were pretty strict on me. I had a curfew um, just to ensure that I wasn't really drinking or anything like that. It kind of felt like it was quite harsh, which made me act out in resentment, rebelling a little bit. Really, my parents just knew that I was capable of doing well, so they always kind of just pushed me in the right direction. I'll just always be so grateful because it's got me to where I am today. And what made you want to go in that direction of, of paramedics and crisis intervention? Well, I've always knew that I wanted to work in the medical field. I've always kind of shown fascination about the human body. Mm-hmm. So I've always aimed for the highest. Originally, I set my goal on being a doctor and don't really settle for anything else. But then once I got into the degree in Adelaide, I really realised that paramedicine was the way to go. It sounds really off-putting, but I just love blood, guts and gorge. And I just love the adrenaline rush of being put in such an intense, unique situation. Mm. And just trusting my knowledge, which really is saving a life. It's like, what did you lose in order to move overseas? Yeah, well, I really did have to weigh up the pros and cons. I just established my life in Adelaide because I was going to uni there. And then all of a sudden I had to pack up everything and move again, which pretty much felt like I was putting my whole life into a couple of suitcases. And I realised that it was walking around the corner to my friend's house in Blackfellas or knocking on my roommate's door in college. And these really close-knit friendships that I really adored just going to be gone. Even just being able to come home from work and go for a walk down the beach with my dog or the warm summer nights on the ocean um, or just being able to dump in my car and drive anywhere I wanted, they were just things that were just going to be gone. And what was an emotional moment? The most emotional part would have been at the airport when everything just kind of hit me. Saying goodbye to my friends and family was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Weeks building up to the day, I kind of just felt that lump in my throat, just realising that it was going to be the last time that I hugged my brother and sister in I don't know how long. So as excited as I was, I was really just emotionally falling apart. Just standing there at the airport, seeing my brother, who's 20 years old, just really crushed me because I felt like it was on my own accord that they supported me and reassured me. So, so that was absolutely fine. What shocked you most when you got off the plane and touched down and you're in this big city starting your new life? This was the first time that I'd actually really travelled internationally. So I was just so emotionally drained and excited, but so excited. In such a strange way, knowing that the city was dangerous excited me even more because this is a sort of exposure that I moved here for. Stabbings and shootings are really challenging. When I first got to London, I just realised how busy it was and I was shocked to find how multicultural the city is. So I quickly learned that London's more like a load of tiny little towns all packed together instead of just one big one. We were kind of like very territorial to their borough and everywhere just has a different atmosphere and socioeconomic status. could be on one street and it's like a concrete jungle, everything's made of stone. And then you turn the corner and you kind of almost feel like you're in a third world country because people are just bartering for fruit or conversing with people that steal bikes on the weekend. So that's what I love about how diverse it is. Had you had much exposure to other cultures or people from other countries growing up in a small town? No, none at all. My town, it was my family and then mostly just all Australians and not multicultural at all. We all spoke the same, we all looked the same. Then just seeing people from different backgrounds, different ethnic groups and different religions, it was a huge shock. But that's what I liked about it was the fact that 
it did shock me so much and I'm just learning. And so turning to your first day at the Ambulance Trust, the London Ambulance Service, the NHS, what was it like? Yeah, so my first day, so many people and it was so packed. It was almost claustrophobic. And I just felt like an ant, really, a nobody in such a huge city. No one knew my name, no one knew my face. There were, say, 20 other Australians that were put into the training, and they're some of my really good friends now, which is great. So, yeah, it was very fun to begin with. Yeah, and just about loving the blood and guts and gore, I was going to ask you too, like paramedics, you know, things happen in training that a lot of people that does freak them out, just the gore and stuff. Was there anything in training that really did freak you out that was traumatising? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you actually say that because, of course, our job exposes us to some of the most unimaginable traumatic scenes a person can imagine. But in London, especially, there's a lot of traumatic accidents involving trains and tubes, whether that be someone accidentally falling off a platform or actually choosing to take their own life. Our job is to decipher if the person is alive and then figure out how we're going to get them out. Call these types of incidents one-unders. It sounds pretty grim, but that's just what we call them. In the first few weeks of training in London, we had to undertake this drill where we were crawling under a train it was that constricted that you couldn't even turn around to crawl out and you literally have to pull your body weight from one end of the train to the other to try and locate a body underneath her and I remember a lot of people just thinking this is way too claustrophobic like I'm too squished under here it's probably one of the most intense situations that we could be put through there's lots of stuff like that in London What was something that you saw on the job or just freaked you out and you thought wow that was really scary or I can't believe that I saw that for me it was probably going to a child four-year-old patient when we got the job it came down as a seizure I was calm and collected initially walking into the job most often when we get to the patient their seizure has already stopped so on our arrival I was shocked to see a lifeless child on the ground wasn't breathing at all and his airway was completely compromised. I kind of just felt my body sink through the floor because I knew that we had to make a split decision because we have the responsibility of life or death in our hands and sometimes we're pretty much playing God in an instant, stay on the scene or rushing them to hospital and so did my decision essentially. But that was the thing that shocked me the most was seeing a child lifeless because obviously they're not supposed to be lifeless when they're so young. What was your best moment on the job? When you resuscitate someone, you're bringing them back from the dead, their heart begins to beat again. And a lot of the time we don't get to achieve this outcome. So when we do, it's really, really satisfying. So that's like some of the things that I find the best about my job. But then it's also some of the little things. So to just reassure a husband of 50 years that his wife's going to be okay or just being able to take someone's pain away completely and put a smile on their face. Yeah, it's where my happiness truly comes from. Yeah, I can imagine that would be so rewarding. And just particularly of late, I mean, there's been so many poignant moments. There was the ambulance officers and the military clapping for carers together to do with coronavirus. There's frontline workers that have passed away. What has all this taught you about human nature? Through the pandemic, I've seen humanity at its absolute best. 
pandemic's really shown the little acts of kindness, little things like small children drawing pictures and writing cards for the elderly in nursing homes that have no family. The other day I went to a hotel and the hotels are putting up homeless people from the street because they're not getting the food or the tips from passers-by because of isolation. We saw so many healthcare workers contracting the disease, a lot of paramedics going off work, almost about a third of our service, and even a couple dying. People are so willing to help. A lot of retired healthcare workers volunteer their time at their own risk. Mm. Um, so at the moment, I'm currently crewed with a firefighter who's come from his service to work with me to alleviate extreme pressures at the moment, which has been really nice and, and really great to see. And also, the public is giving us some recognition that we truly deserve. During the pandemic, people are just realising the intensity of our job and the fact that we put our own lives at risk most days to save complete strangers. Yeah, oh, it's just, it is inspiring. And so just in these tough times, because they are tough, do you ever get homesick? I come home from work and I just wish that I could, I could just hug my mum or just feel everything that I've seen at work, my sister and my brother and my dad. But instead I kind of just have to pick up the phone and it's so hard with the time difference because we're on opposite schedules and I work shift work. And at one point, I was just working up to, say, 80 to 90 hours a week because I just don't get that time to be able to be stressed and spill everything to them. But, yeah, it, it's, it's really hard, but at the same time, it's, it's so worth it. Where do you see yourself in 10, 15 years? Well, I'm really enjoying my, my time here in London at the moment. I really just want to make the most of the opportunity, and there is such opportunity here. I definitely want to work my way to the top and then I'll be truly satisfied. Then maybe I'll move home and work in the country or something. I do see myself going back and doing further studies, whether that be a master's in paramedics or go to the hospital setting and try something different. Yeah, I couldn't see myself doing anything else besides medicine. I just love helping people. I, I don't know whether I'll be here in London or back at home, but that's something I'll, I'm sure I'll make my mind up soon enough your advice for others that are aching to go overseas and follow their dreams but they might be a bit too scared? Honestly, you're only young once and you only get one shot at life so throw yourself into the unknown and you'll thrive. So I've just thrown myself into the harshest situations um, and then I look back on it and I've just learnt so much. The world may seem so big and scary and like it's out to get you until you actually just take it on and realise that you're actually truly capable of doing it. Put very eloquently. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Well, Tegan, Modra, thank you so much for chatting today. No worries. Thank you for your time as well. It's been great. Thank you. And that was Tegan Modra there, a worker living in London, working for the London Ambulance Service, the NHS Trust, from country South Australia. Thank you very much.